Hello, everybody. Welcome to Radio Free Mavericks. I know it's been a little while since I'm posting. Real life just kind of keeps getting in the way of uh, green rooms. I know they're actually not that hard to do, but these days with packing and moving, kind of every hour seems to be taken up by doing something. But my regular Friday show is going to keep happening because people seem to like it. Uh, So, been kind of a interesting week. Things are sort of heating up. We finally had the introductory press conference uh, with Jason Kidd and Nico Harrison and Mark Cuban, and it was um, orchestrated and, you know, a few tough questions were asked, but mainly it's it's kind of the Mavericks have, have done a good job just, just kind of shuffling past a lot of the concerns from, you know, certain aspects of the fan base, and we're here now. They're the coach and the GM, and rumor season is starting to heat up. Um, Mark Stein in his, uh, sub stack reported today that the Mavericks are, don't really seem to be phased by the fact that, that Kawhi Leonard might be out for the year and, and would be interested in pursuing him for a long-term deal. Um, starting to hear little whispers of things, you know, like, like he, he also mentioned on a green room, just like this, that the Mavericks would be interested in Kyle Lowry, but for two years, not for three, which probably effectively takes them out of the running. Um, you know, there's just sort of things happening, things bubbling. And, and you know, between this and, like, the, the Olympics bearing down on us, I think we have about, like, 12 days until some of those games start for both Luka and for Team USA. Boy, is Team USA in a weird spot. Uh, you know, when JaVale McGee is the answer, you know, I really don't know want to know what the question is. Um, and so we're here. Let's, uh, you know, I'm going to start bringing folks up. We're going to ask some questions and talk ball, hang out for a little while, and see how the, the day goes. All, All right, right. Uh, Lance, how are you today? Doing great. Thanks, Kurt. So, uh, I know I just re- uh, listened to your recent pod uh, with Doyle. Not the best I- episode. Doyle might have had a few drinks. It's okay. Um, after, after watching the first 30 seconds or listening to the first 30 seconds of Jason Kidd, I wanted to get a beer because he sounded like the most hokiest Disney okay. promotion. Uh, that That had to have been written down. Like, his statement was, yeah. you know. I, I think uh, as the as the press conference went on, it got better, especially when there was like real journalistic questions. Shout out to Tim Cato, and also uh, I'm forgetting her name. I just had an interaction with her on Twitter. Uh, I believe her last name is Guerrero. Uh, yeah, Maria Guerrero. She actually, oh, she was, asked a really good question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Kind of about you know what's your answer for this? Yeah, that was those were probably the hardest questions that he faced. Yeah. Especially when it's not Zoom anymore, you're literally like right in person. Like I, I know that's not easy to do, but that's what real journalists do. But my question is, now that you're actually like a little bit removed from the press conference, what stood out to you most, like for off court and on court purposes? It's a good question. Um, I think what stood out to me the most is that Nico Harrison didn't look prepared at all. <laughs> um, kind of had a deer in the headlights look, which for like an exec at one of the most you know powerful brands on the planet was was a little bit surprising to see. But I mean, the the thing we got to remember with him is is that he is not experienced doing this. He might be the general manager, but he is not the general manager. Mark Cuban is. There's going to be a team around it. Um, it's 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 interesting. I, I would say I, I did like Jason Kidd's kind of comments about, uh, you know, how he was at Luca's age and, you know, just attempting to kind of relate to Luca as best as he can. And the fact that they are, are reportedly bringing in Luca's ex, uh, I think it's national team coach, and I didn't even bother to pronounce his name. It's uh, Igor. Igor. I don't know the last name. But I don't want to butcher it. Uh, hopefully yeah. we'll get, you know, one of our one of our, uh, our friends from the region up on stage and they can teach me and then I can teach my son and then my son can remind me because he's the only person in our household that has the palate that can say all these names appropriately. I know that's just really embarrassing. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm there's just enough, like, going on with kid with the basketball side. Like, once you kind of, you know, and I think we all kind of have to. If, if we're going to be Mavs fans, we're just going to have to compartmentalize that this organization had these issues, and then they hired a coach who also has these issues, but that's just the nature of it. And I think the basketball side of what's happening with, with Jason Kidd, some of the things he talked about, was pretty interesting. Um, I think we all agree Luca's usage needs to go down. I mean, but with that comes getting better players, and that's not something – can't remember who said this to me on Twitter, but they basically said, you know, Jason Kidd wouldn't have done a better job with this roster than Rick Carlisle did. Like, it's about the roster. It's not. A, it wasn't necessarily about the coaching, though. I do understand why they made that switch. So, you know, I mean, it it it's a lot of it's for for a dog and pony show. I thought it was fine. 
Yeah, I think uh, the thing that stood out to Jason Kidd the most to me when, was when he was saying that he was kind of crazy and liked to do a lot of stuff his way when he was younger in, in the pros. Mm-hmm. And that knowing that, he's going to let, you know, Luca have his imagination, which is what he said. He used imagination, which is a brilliant way of seeing it because I think as much as Carlisle, and look, I, I hate the fact that Carlisle's gone. I, I still think that. The only way that I'll look at kid as anything respectable is to get out of the first round. Like other than that, I'm not gonna really go into it super positive. I'm trying to be neutral, but I'm just I'm not really excited about the the hiring. Uh, but I do I do like the fact that he's gonna lean in on. Hey, I'm gonna let Luca kind of do some things, try some things because yeah, it might drive you crazy for a bit. But just like his step back threes, as much as we hated them early on, like I mean, it did provide some a game-winning three and stuff like that. So I think you got to let these special players do things that others just can't do sometimes. Sure, so. sure. I mean, it, it's it's funny that you mentioned that about Luca, and and I would love for if if there are any Slovenian like you know longtime Luca followers in the chat to request to come up on stage and talk about this later. Luca's so media trained now that he doesn't say anything interesting. And as a result of that, I, we really don't know how he sees basketball because Porzingis, when he talks to media guys, he almost overthinks stuff to the point to where it's like this guy gets what he's supposed to do, but it's like he's a computer processing things and sometimes really overthinks it. I'd be curious if Luca even, not that he, it, I don't want to say he doesn't know what he's doing, but I'm curious how much of what he's doing is instinctual. Like it makes sense to him in a way that he can't explain uh, so, so, you know, Luke, you know, kid putting him in these positions or trying to, that's going to take time. Uh, because if, if he is kind of more in a, of an ex- instinctual basketball player that sees things like as they're developing, I'm not sure how, how unleashing, like, I'm not sure what more you can get, like, not what more you can get out of him, because I mean, he can clearly improve in certain ways, but it just, he's so good already. Like, you know, I, I don't really know. It, it feels like improving in the margins. You know what I mean? So. Well, thank you, Lance. You got anything else for us? No, uh, I'm, I am excited to see this new direction. I know we're probably not going to be as good at like uh, scouting, like hidden talents, but I just think de- like developing, and I know people are going to hate to say this, developing relationships with American talent is going to be very important with this new, uh, um, with this new team, I think Nico Harrison, obviously with his relationship with Nike, is, I mean, it goes without saying, but he knows a lot of American talent that, honestly, the Mavericks kind of just disrespected in free agency and, and, and in general just recruiting. Like, So I, I'm excited for them to at least try that. But at the end of the day, it kind of makes me sad because as Cuban kept interrupting, he's the one that makes the final say. So it really doesn't matter unless Cuban agrees with it. So there you go. Catch 22. Well, thanks for coming up, buddy. Indeed. Have a nice day, brother. You too. All right. Coming up next is Jose. Jose, I'm going to uh, invite you up here. How are you today? I'm doing fine, Kirk. How about you? Good. All right. we, I hope you haven't had to sneak off into the bathroom <laughs> like last week. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm at home, so it's all good. <laughs> uh, but uh, some of the things I did want to talk about is like uh, Mark Cuban's uh, – kind of arrogance when it when he got about when he got asked about uh bob he, he's kind of like oh well i'm not gonna speak on people on the payroll like like just As, his body expression it, it's just clear <laughs> arrogance well cuban counts on people not to call him out on his shit in a really direct way where you know he, he did that about titles with um with the new GM and with Jason Kidder's like, I don't talk about titles as the social media team was releasing graphics that had Nico Harrison and Jason Kidd with their titles on it as press, as a press, uh, uh, you know, a press event was happening, introducing new people with titles. So for him to say these sorts of things in the way he says them is always very frustrating to me because the easiest thing for him to say is I'm not going to comment on that. But instead, he comes back with kind of a snarky comment, like we're like like how dare you ask this? And then there's just not enough follow up um, because I don't think people want to piss him off. I guess I understand that from a big picture perspective because I'm not like you know I I 
Maz Moneyball is credentialed, but I don't go to games and I probably never will just with my life and stuff. I'm not super interested in being friendly with these people. So I, if I were doing it, I'd probably push back because Mark Cuban doesn't particular like whether he likes me or not has nothing to do with how I, I, I view the Mavericks and do, do, do our job here. And it's, it's just, it's a little bit frustrating because if, if I were to guess, this is pure speculation. Peralba Vulgaris is probably going to stay with the team until after free agency. If, if, you know, cause I'm pretty sure he's still employed. I think we would have heard by now if he wasn't. And the reason I say that is he is an asset in that you don't want him to go to another team while understanding what the plans may be. Um, cause I'm pretty sure he's going to get snapped up by somebody like smart analytics people. I, I, I don't want to, you know, understate them. Like they're, they're, they're more rare than you'd think. And this guy knows a lot and he has like the stuff that he hasn't done, the things that he hasn't worked out well with the Mavericks, some of the selections that he's made uh, and things that he's pushed with Cuban doesn't mean he doesn't know what he's doing. It just means there's not a sample size. Cause when you build a team, like it's, you, just, you don't really have a lot of bites at the apple. So I, I, Cuban's response to all that was was fairly frustrating to me, but Cuban's response to everything is fairly frustrating to me. Like I'm very out on Cuban, and and it's just going to be kind of my my standard position. <laughs> uh, another thing I wanted to touch on too is uh like like the comments about KP. I mean, I I feel like I'm optimistic about KP coming back and what he's going to do this all season, but at like we we need a uh, bubble KP, and if he doesn't live up to at least like bubble KP, it's gonna be hard to to see him staying on the the team as a whole. Especially if you're thinking about bringing in Kawhi Leonard, who is probably gonna sit out for a whole year, and then you had to manage that, and you had to build a roster around that to still at least get into the. Uh, like top five, maybe top eight in the the West. So, I I feel like their comments kind of left me somewhat optimistic, but it's still like it, it's hard to see it. I, mean, I understand that for sure. I mean, like Porzingis, and I'm I'm doing some real quick math here. I I want to say he's played something like 280 he's played 286 regular season games out of like 472 in his entire career that's a shade under 60% of his games so when the analysis for Porzingis has to kind of come with the fact that he is never going to be an 82 game player can he be a 65 game player i mean looking at his you know this year he played 43 games out of 72 um the year before he played 57 out of 72 uh, before that he didn't play an entire year. The most games that he's played in the year is 72 games out of 82, his rookie year. Um, and, and really you have with all players and, and particularly guys as big and as fluid or you know, formerly fluid as him, you're, you're sort of just taking a gamble as to how long his body's going to hold. And I suspect that the Mavericks, I waffle on this week to week. My moment, my, my feeling right now is that they, they try to keep him um, and they don't move him this off season, but that could change. But it, it, it's just, it's, they're very reliant on, on his health. And I'm not sure that's, that's something that is sustainable when you have a guy that's this good with Luca. And, and I just, I, I've I've kind of wanted them to move on, despite how good the numbers show them that playing together. Because it's just if you can't establish any real rhythm, and that was Porzingis' problem this year, it wasn't his fault. Like it, they held him out a lot of stuff. You know, he he didn't he didn't he played his first game like ten games into the year, and he wanted to play from the very get go. Like there's a one of the Mavs like Twitter accounts that's like dedicated to Porzingis, which is like sharing some 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 sort of like clips from an interview from him, and it's very clear that like. This guy, this is not a matter of him not wanting to play. He always wants to play. He just physically can't do it. And I sometimes get really aggressive about that because it frustrates me. But, you know, it's not entirely his fault. And and so where they go from here with him is just, it's such an important factor. And I I, I feel like it's just a high-risk gamble, you know? And, and I don't know what they do. Because when he's good, the Mavericks are real good. They're real good. They win a lot of games when Luca and KP both play. I want to say it's like in the 60%, 60% of their games when both of them play, regardless of kind of health or status, it's, it's that good. So. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, those numbers are, are pretty impressive. And again, it, it shows whether people like to admit or not. I mean, KP does some good things. Yeah. <laughs> Even though they're, they might not be the most amazing things. He yeah. Does oh, some he's, good he's things. extremely helpful. It's that he doesn't like, he's kind of vocal about the fact that he doesn't like the role despite how helpful it is. And, you know, how do you reconcile all those things? It's tough. Right. And that was one of like my biggest things and takeaways from from that is just like like uh like I was reading that that same uh, thread you just mentioned and and I like what what KP says but what he says uh, like after games also is is kind of like conflicting with what he says to a one on one interview you know during the off season or like even maybe the All Star break. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. Well, thanks for coming yeah. up, Jose. Uh, w- one last thing. Uh, sure. Uh, Tim Cato and Maria Guerrero really did a good job. I, I really did feel like there was a lot, a lot of pandering going on and not enough direct questions being asked. So that that was one of my biggest frustrations when I was watching uh, the – the introductory mm-hmm. and that that's pretty much all I had to add Kirk thanks sure. for bringing me up no of course thanks for coming up Jose as as far as as the comment to the the pandering and the kind of questions this happens with every team you know there's certain uh, there's certain elements of being a media member where you got to go along to get along you don't want to piss off your your the people that you work with and and I get it. I, I, this is why I, I don't do it because I would constantly be agitating. No one would talk to me, <laughs> but I get, you know, some of the, some of the questions are just, you know, you, you have a story, you have work you got to do. And, you know, it's not your job to specifically as a media member to specifically hold the Mavericks accountable for everything that they bullshit us on. You can try in fits and starts, but it's not like you just can't do it all the time. Otherwise you end up only talking about those things and like, I don't know about you guys. Like I, I get as frustrated about these things as anyone, but at a certain point I did come, you know, I started doing this to talk about the basketball stuff and I don't, I just don't want to fight all the time. I, you know, it's, it's, it's supposed to be a little bit of fun. Uh, and then as Kevin, Kevin Gray in the chat note is notes that the way the Mavericks had the event set up, you could not ask follow-ups really. It was, it, it just wasn't, they, they control the message very well. Anyhow. All right. Coming up next, uh, Matt, how you doing today, Matt? Oh, what's going on, Kirk? Nice day. Yeah. So on the Kawhi stuff, like I I wrote the deal about, you know, he would be a good free agent acquisition of everything we have to offer him the max, even though sure. we weren't going to get him. But I mean, at this point, I, I don't think we do anymore. Like I, I'm, I'm out on Kawhi now and I know, I know you're in the slack too, obviously. So you, you've seen the other messages from people that are just out on him, but mm-hmm. we're, we're four years in a row of him having severe medical issues and I mean, even the Toronto year when they won the title, the last couple rounds he was struggling to move. Like he, he's so good, and I get that and everything, but he's not going to play next year. And more important than that, I think we're we're basically three teams into he doesn't tell you what's going on with his body. So yeah, um, I, I know you had mentioned it. I'm not sure if it was on Matt Moneyball or in the Slack, but you had mentioned that it seemed like it might be a violation for the Clippers not to have reported that he had a torn ACL, but <laughs> I legitimately don't think they knew like that's, and and that's kind of crazy in this day and age to have a guy of his magnitude and have that kind of injury. And I, it's plausible that they did not know that he had a torn ACL. And that's yeah. just a lot of the headache that we don't need, especially when we already have KP. Oh yeah. Um, also, with all of the, uh, with your theory on uh, Haralabob, I just think this is example number, you know, whatever thousand you want to use, if that's correct, of the Mavs being uh, overly protective and thinking they are smarter than everyone sure. else. Because I mean, really, their plan is please, please God, someone take our money this year, because every other year no one does. I, oh yeah. I don't think- I mean, it, it's not that hard for another team's GM to look at it and be like, hey, the match could use somebody else that can dribble a basketball. Hey, they could use somebody else that can defend. 
<laughs> yeah. So um, good players, good players are good. And then the my my super secret take here is is that um, if they sign Kawhi, then then Luca falls into the phantom zone for a year, and we just play with KP as the only star, and then we get a lottery pick. How do you like that? Uh, yeah, you know there's <laughs> that. Um, your the other thing your I'll, internet is garbage, by the way. Oh, I'm sorry. All right, well this is the last thing I'll do, and then I'll get off so that somebody with better internet can talk. Um, mm-hmm. so. The last thing I will say on KP is that, uh, one, he very clearly helps Luca with the spacing. Like, Absolutely. we talk about KP's numbers being a lot better with, with Luca on the floor, which they obviously are, but Luca's numbers are also infinitely better with KP on the floor. Mm-hmm. It's strange because KP actually isn't that great of a shooter, but teams treat him like he is prime Dirk as a shooter. Like, yes. he gets, he, he, occupies the defense and that's really Luca finishes at the rim at such an elite rate whenever he's there and then two while he may not like the spacing role everyone acts like in New York he put up like monster uh like monster counting stat numbers and was the quote-unquote last year was his best year yeah no trust me I I I did a lot of research (laughs) looking into this but even the year that he was an all-star that everyone acts like you know he was just coming into his own and everything it was 10 games. After the first 10 games of that season and before he got injured, he averaged 20.7 points, 6.3 rebounds, 1.2 assists, and shot 41% from the field Like yeah. after the first 10 games. So he's not he, – he was never just this, you know, oh, I'm putting up 25 and 12 and, and doing all this. Like that's never been him. He yeah. is a – he is – that's what he is. He's a low. He is better as a as a as a complimentary piece, and so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. really the only question with him is: Can he defend? Is is can he get back physically to either have the mobility to defend, or can he adjust and learn to just use his length without the mobility? Yes, which he might. I mean, it's a teaching thing. He's a smart guy. Um, yeah. both both things that you know. Uh, I one of the things that we that was kind of not talked about enough about Mosley, like Josh Bow. Our, our managing editor always always told me to shut up about this. But like Jamal Mosley was in charge of the defense, and the defense sucked. At what point? At what point did he have any responsibility for kind of the schematic stuff they were running? And you know, I, I just I'm, I will never know the answer to that. And and I I just you know I hope for the best for KP because as much as you know, I would love. I've said this for almost a year and a half now. I would love for people to like find my old takes and dunk on me about this because that means the Mavericks are winning. It's just I'm playing probabilities at this point. And some of you gambling people can tell me about this. Like if somebody's only available 60% of the time, that's not good when you kind of need to – when they're, you know, the 40% of games he's not around. So Yeah. And then, yeah, uh, we had great rules. That's the thing you got to remember from Mosley. You had great rules. And with that, Bobby I Corolla. Bobby Corolla told me that I will never let him go. But that's a great rules, huh? Great rules. I, you know. I have great rules about eating and I'm not supposed to eat these things. And yet I keep eating like crap because I break my own rules. Anyhow. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, man. Appreciate you. All right. So one thing to, to kind of keep in mind about Kawhi, and I'm just going to say this because I see everybody in the chat. He's like, I'm fine with signing Kawhi. I, I get it. I really do. But I, I want everyone in the room to understand what I'm about to say here. Kawhi is the bad roommate. He is the guy who where he goes places and the medical staff is somehow wrong. It's, it's, it's always the medical staff's fault. It's always the medical staff's fault. The Spurs are grade a a plus organization. He hung them out to dry. It's sort of happening subtly with the Clippers as well. Just be prepared for that. If you're saying that risk is worth it for you, I 100% understand that. I just want everyone to admit that. Because I think a lot of people are still kind of buying into the player hype. Come, what's oh, it's 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 not the player's fault because that's how we've been trained by media for about the past five years. This is Kawhi keeping stuff from people. I can one, I can all but guarantee that because that it just it keeps happening. It, it, two medical staffs are not going to botch diagnoses. It's him not being forthright about what's going on. Sorry, just that that's that that's what that is what is happening. Okay, um, coming up next, we have Sam. Hi, Sam. How you doing? Hey, what's going on? You got me? All right. Sorry if I do sound a little funny. I'm, my allergies have been kicking my ass all week, so uh, sure. I'll try to I'll, I'll try to be quick. But um, as far as the press conference is concerned, 
to be honest, I didn't really get nothing from it except what everybody else has been saying. You know, Cuban's going to be Cuban. He's going to be cocky. Um, I guess what I didn't like about it was basically what he did say, you know, we're going to try to change the, the infrastructure about how things are done. But then the same sense, he says at the end of the day, the book stops with me. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I mean, nothing's really changed. It's just the parts are changing. Instead of instead of Carlisle dying, now it's Nico and Kid, and yeah. I guess Sit too to some extent. Which I, I don't even get that part, but you know, let's neither here nor there. But yeah. um, the problem that I have, yes, you said it earlier when you started this, was the thing with the roster is the fact that, like, pretty much everybody else has been saying, you know, the Mavericks are, they think they're too smart for their own good. They think they know everything. They think that hey, we got to do it this way, or it's not going to work. Um, like like with Kyle Lowry. If if you need to get Kyle Lowry and he wants three years instead of two, give him three years. You know, we need talent. Like, I get he's older, and I get, you know, he may not be what he used to be, but if he says, hey, I want to come to Dallas, but I'll come on a three-year deal, give him the three-year deal because we need talent. <laughs> like, we can't keep trying to fool ourselves on thinking that, hey, we got to, you know, try to game the system so we can do this, this, this in the future. You know, you're trying to win now. And if you don't win now, you're not going to win in the future. So I just think that, you know, we just got to – we got to upgrade the roster, really. That's just really sure. what it is, like you said, because last year, hell, with all the situations, with, with everything that was going on, with all the turmoil and all the crap that was happening, we literally were up on the Clippers 2-0, 3-2, and we had a chance to finish them off in game six, and we didn't do it because of the yeah. talent. So just imagine if we had – a Kyle Lowry type, or even I don't even know who's a, free, a, a Chris Middleton. I even say that if we had a Chris Middleton type on our team, just imagine sure. what we could have done. So we got to go out there and just find that talent. And I don't know, I don't know what their, I guess their goal is this offseason, just because I guess nobody knows because yeah. we don't know what they're thinking of what they want. They want to have better defense. Well, you got to have better defensive players. <laughs> or you <gotta> have better, <laughs> you know? You got to have a better defensive scheme, man. You know, just the way the league works nowadays, it's just hard to find stuff like that. So who knows how it's going to work? But it's just – it's the roster. It's roster, 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 roster. And if Cuban gets in the way of that, just, be, uh, just because um, – excuse me. Like, I don't know if you if you listen to that Andre Iguodala podcast that he did with J.J. Reddick where, you know, basically he was talking about he was going to come to Dallas, but they said, well, we got to hold off with Dwight Howard. So just wait, and then he ended up going to go to state instead. But um, you know, stuff like that is we, we don't we, we can't have situations like that. If somebody wants to come to our team, we need to make it happen and sure. just figure out the rest. Because contracts nowadays, it don't matter if you sign a super match, you can get traded. I agree. Like, I agree. That's that's probably you know we we have we have Xavier in the chat here who's 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 big about the Mavericks kind of you know cap options, and he and I kind of argue about a lot of you know past 10 stuff fairly frequently. I think one thing he would agree with me on is that the Mavericks have shown very little creativity within their cap. And that's, that's a, that's a flaw that, and and they don't even seem to acknowledge it because, you know, like, like the Kings, for example, are a terrible team, but like they have a number of guys that are tradable at this moment because they've signed, you know, like they signed Harrison Barnes to a declining contract. They signed, um, the, what's the, the shooter out of OU, um, Oh, well. uh, yeah, Buddy Heald's on a declining deal. Like, like those sorts of things are interesting. Whereas the Mavericks, you know, they approach KP, who has you know a sixty percent you know game played rate, and and didn't they give, give you a know five year he, max deal. a five year max deal with no like no protections for the team involved in that. Even like you know MVP candidate Joel Embiid had a ton of protections on his stuff. And I think he was kind of at the same level of injured, you know, in terms of, of the things that was happening to him as KP. I mean, it's, that's subjective to a degree, but you know, they gave him, they had a lot of protections. It's just the nature of the basketball. And the Mavericks think that by doing, uh, they, they behaved for years that by like doing solids with, with um, uh, uh, agents and things like that, it will pay off in the long run. I'm not aware of any time that, that the ass kissery has paid off. Maybe it has. And I'm just, not thinking of any particular instance, but you know, like letting Carlisle walk for for no compensation when they could have squeezed blood from a stone when it came to Indiana. There's just no reason not to do that stuff. And then the Mavericks think it's like good business. Well, it's 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 called show business, not show friends. Like what what are we doing? Yeah, and, and the, <laughs> the Mavericks just have this this sort of mentality 
over and over. And it's, 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 it's exemplified by Cuban. We know best and they don't. And after 10 years, I'm really delighted to see more and more people kind of turn around and say, we, we, we expect more from this franchise. And we're kind of at that point, you know? Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get off after this, but like, I, I think I said this last week when I got on with you, but the problem is we don't have assets. Like, if Josh Green played a little bit more, if Tyler Bay or even well Tyler Terry is a different situation, Terry, but um if they even played a little bit of shunk something, you can use that in a trade. You say, Hey, you know what you want the shunk guy? We can trade him. But the problem is we don't develop our assets and then we don't obtain assets where we can obtain assets. Thus we have no assets now. I mean, if you do a sign of trade with Tim Hardaway Jr., maybe. If you get rid of Dorian Finney Smith, you can probably get something back, but then you know, who are we going to get back? Our roster's going to almost be the same, if not worse. So they need to figure that out this year and for years to come because, you know, the time is ticking. So we got to figure it out. Yep. Well, thank you very much for hanging out. You got anything else? Um, no, that's it. I'm just excited for, I guess, when Summer League starts. And, well, the finals are still going on, which is pretty entertaining. But Summer League and then, you know, offseason and see what happens if we agency. Sure thing. Well, thanks for joining. Not a problem. All right. I'm going to let somebody jump the line because I can, and he's on my staff. We're going to let Xavier join because I'm sure he wants to yell at me about something. Hi, Xavier. Hey, can you guys hear me? You sound good. All right, good. So the one statement that really makes me want to tear my hair out is that we just need to add talent. I think that's fit, Matt, especially when you have limited resources, right? Because here's the thing. If the player comes on your team and they don't fit and they don't play well, whatever value you're hoping to extract extract from said player down the road gets greatly reduced by the fact that they're not looking good while playing for you. So the whole thing, well, let's just sign the players and we'll flip them later. Look, the Warriors were so lucky that D'Angelo Russell was Cat's best friend because mm-hmm. had they just signed D'Angelo Russell and, and the Timberwolves don't want to trade for him, they're stuck with a terrible contract for a player that doesn't fit. And so that would have been bad asset management. So that's my whole thing. Is like you can't just sign players that don't fit because here's the thing. You're not just going to be able to flip them for value. Ideally, you would have to t- pair that with draft capital, right? You would take said player, add some draft picks, and then, okay, maybe you can upgrade to a player that fits better for your roster. But we don't have picks. So none of these players that we're, that we're going to sign, we're going to be able to trade down the, road for, down the line for a better player because there's nothing to add to those plays, if that makes sense. So it does. How, so no, but, thing, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I mean, Lucas Max Deal comes on the books. Like, this is quite literally the last chance that they have to add anything. It's a very much, it's not unlike 2019, where it's a use it or lose it situation. But here's the thing. Theoretically speaking, we can get to cap space next summer. It would take some creativity, which... But they've never shown that creativity. Agree. Agree. But let's give this front office a fresh start, even though they've done nothing to deserve it. But theoretically, it wouldn't even be that hard. But we could get there. It would take what you've mentioned, which is to take a step back this season, keep the powder dry, make a couple moves, and we can get cap space next season. Look, I don't want to do that. I agree that we do need to add talent. My whole thing is we can't just say, well, let's just plug this player into our system and he's just a guy. All I'm saying, yes, we do need to add. We just need to be more selective, and it does matter how a player fits within our scheme because I think more important than anything is that, look, we have Luka. Luka determines what the scheme is, and so we need players that fit next to Luka because you can be the best player in the world, but if you don't fit next to Luka, it doesn't matter. Take a look at Philly. You're, you're obviously. I, I I think I I broadly agree with the premise, but like let's let's kind of cycle back and, and talk about something that got brought up earlier, where it's like Mark Stein saying Kyle Lowry is available, but the Mavericks only would want to give him two years, not three. That's the sort of stuff that I think when I hear add talent, because I think he checks like at least in terms of talent. I'm sure with age, you're probably in the same boat I am, where it's like. He could just fall off the like fall off the earth in terms of of what happens with him because he's a small point guard. Even though he has a huge ass, he's only six foot tall. Um, he could just kind of fall off a cliff physically, which is a real thing. But in terms of just like talent, if we're playing two K stuff, he's a good basketball player. Agreed. And the Mavericks are, and he fits. And the Mavericks not wanting to do go the extra mile, like do you know what I mean? Like that's the sort of thing that I think is really. Like meeting in the middle in terms of when we're talking about talent, when you hear, oh, okay, this player that fits, the Mavericks aren't willing to go the extra mile for him. 
like they weren't for Jay Crowder. And again, like it's just Jay Crowder. I kind of get this, but Jay Crowder's in the finals. So there's something to be said for, you know, decent players. And it's funny you mentioned Lowry because actually when you started the green room, I was actually finishing up my free agent profile on Lowry. And I put everything. He's a tremendous fit. He has playmaking. He's a great leader. He would be fantastic for our team. But as you noted, he's already 36 and he's not going to be able to play 82 games for you. So the question you have to ask yourself is how quickly does he fall off a cliff? If he falls off a cliff after a year and you've still got two years left yeah. at 25 million per year, now you, now you have a, a contract that you can't move and you have no drive capital to dump that. And so now you have something clogging your cap space that's going to prevent us from taking a step forward. And in the short term, if we just swap out Tim Hardaway for Lowry, are we a serious contender next year? Chances are no. So at that point, you would be taking on a huge risk for three years for the limited upside, taking it to the second round. And that's, and that's why, yes, he's a great talent. But going to that third year could potentially mess up our books for a long time. And with Luka being so young, you don't have to go all in this year. So we want that because we want to watch Luka in the finals. I get that. But for a player that's 21 years old, you don't go in on his age 21 season when you could potentially be risking his age 23, 24 season when theoretically he should be in his athletic crime. And that's the time when you want to go all in. Not now when as a team, you're just not ready. Despite what we all but that's all I. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wanted that. While you're here, I have one quick question for you. So, Mark sure. Stein reported um, he thinks that the market for Hardaway is eighteen to twenty million dollars a year. That is lower than what we had been sort of anticipating, right? Oh, I, 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 I was expecting about twenty, but even eighteen, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, okay, because I was like anything north of twenty is where I think most people would like just jump off board in terms of what the Mavericks would need to commit, but. If, if, let's say he was agreed, like, let's say they came to a quick agreement with him, would, would, do you just think, are you still kind of in the camp where, you know, a commitment to Tim Hardaway is just a commitment to treading water? I, I do. Because, okay. If- the 18, would that mean we've got 16 mil left over? That's not landing Lowry. That's not landing Conley. That's not even really landing Dinwiddie. So at that point, you're probably looking at a Rashawn Holmes type player. If mm-hmm. all you're doing is adding Rashawn Holmes to this roster, again, are we taking that next step as a team? I don't think so. So I think it'd be better to just try and allocate those resources elsewhere. And I think he will settle for 18 if a team is willing to go to three or four years. If it's a more short-term, like two-year deal, I think he'll probably try to get north of 20, like you mentioned. Yep. Well, thanks for hanging out, buddy. Thanks, Kirk. All right. Coming up next, we're going to bring on Brian. Man, we've got a lot of got people a lot to talk today. Hey. Good, buddy. How are you? How's oh. the move going? Uh, it's us uh, boxes everywhere, boxes and more boxes. And I'm not even taking any furniture. I don't understand how there's many boxes, but that's neat. That's life. <laughs> yeah, it, that's the funny thing about a movie. You find that you have a ton of crap that eventually you have to get rid of. So sad face for you. I, I, I don't know about you, but I have a lot. The conference overall was a pretty, you know, cookie cutter, but I had more questions coming out of that entire thing yesterday. I think to me, the most, I guess puzzling thing Mark said yesterday where he had mentioned there was no structure within the front office before these new hires, which I was just like, hmm. I I immediately thought, I don't know about you, I thought about the scene from Office Space where the Bobs are interviewing um, somebody (laughs) and they were like, what would you say you do here? Because you you take that into account and you see all these radio interviews yesterday. Nico advocates that Finley's going to be his right uh, right hand man, which is odd. He wasn't at the conference yesterday, which was super strange. Jason Kidd was on thirteen ten to ticket today, and he didn't really confirm or deny Bob is still on the payroll. But based on Mark's comments yesterday, it seems like no. They would just say it like. They would say it if he wasn't on the payroll. Like that's what right. makes this so stupid. It, it just <laughs> like no, he's, he's no longer with us. You know. Yeah, yeah, it it, uh, it, it, just, it, it completely maddening, but it, you have all these layers of almost, I guess, the nicest thing I can kind of say is messy stupidity, because you have all these people, but yet you still have, you know, Mark is going to be the king, and he, he flaunted that several times yesterday, and I was like, oh, Mark, come on, that's not really fun for you to just yeah. fly, like put your dick on the table like that. Sorry if you have to edit that out. It just, I don't know, I, it just oh, really it rubbed me the wrong way, but it, by him saying there's no structure, I, it, that made me think about, okay, you were in charge of everything. Ted McMahon made it very clear that 
uh, Donnie Nelson was pretty much the uh, secretary of player personnel. So I don't know if that was like a pop shot at Donnie, but I got to go like I, I owe a personal apology to Donnie Nelson because he had to really deal with all this crap, man. And I, no. I, I was – I, I wanted him out. I, I, I spoke to you several times. I was ready for him to go, but it's like, what was sure. he going to do with this, this like, this structure, this lack of, which kind of even, oh, it, it just frustrates me even more when you're going into the most important offseason of your franchise's history and you're just establishing, hey, we really don't know what we're doing. We're just sure. hiring a potentially all these head coaches on kid staff as, uh, you know, the boys club. And we're going to be getting the lineups from Bob, and kids going to just be there because he's he's a good relationships. Relationships are everything, Kirk. Don't forget that. That's sure. the motto this offseason. Well, I mean, I'm glad they've I'm glad they've kind of uh, figured that out. Um, but but the thing I will will say to you is, you know, what Mark Cuban does is he floods the zone with so much information that people don't know what to do with it, and because the Mavericks are kind of a I mean, you have your Cowboys, then you have a chasm, and then you have, depending on the time of year, interest in Mavericks, Stars, Rangers, and probably FC Dallas to a, to a degree. And then, like, high school football probably ranks above most of that stuff, including other college sports. So the, the local, you know, local media can only cover so much things, and nobody know you know, there's no real way to hold Mark Cuban accountable other than being consistent and talking about the things that he fucks up on. And that's hard to do when, you know, there's 82 games in a season and there's just a game after game after game. And in the off season, people really only want to talk transactions. They don't want, you know, it's like, so Cuban getting up on stage and essentially, you know, saying, you know, blaming a lack of structure without taking any, any accountability for the fact that he is why that happened is, is drive. It drives me crazy. I mean, I've worked <laughs> for men like him who, who, you know, like, like Cuban's the kind of boss I'm guessing I, I'm speculating Cuban's the kind of boss who hires experts and then tells them how to do their job. And that is, is just, that's not the point of why you have um, um, expertise in the room. And he, you know, he, he, he basically implies he's the GM, which is fine. And I think a lot of Mavs fans are so used to this that they don't understand how weird it is. You know, Neil O'Shea up in, up in Portland runs that team as GM. Does he get final sign-off from their owner for, for moves? Yes, but that owner probably rubber stamps it because that's what you have the hiring for. Now, if this were, I think it, at one point in time, a lot of this stuff in Dallas was a lot more collaborative. But right. you know, Cuban, Cuban has started to believe his own press clippings the last several years and, and really does. You, you hear the things he says. Like Less than two weeks ago, he was talking about he gave some, you know, I, I, in our podcast last night, I said he was like meeting with the local Shriners Club or whatever Dallas Rotary Club because he talks to everybody all the time. And he made that statement about how KP is who he is and really was kind of derogatory about KP and then gets up on the, the press conference and talks about how, you know, KP's unfairly maligned. And it's like, bro, you are maligning him. Are <laughs> I feel gaslit by this organization sometimes because they just tell you that you're wrong about things that they go out and do themselves. It's very frustrating, but it is just, it's kind of the nature of it. And if we're going to be fans of this team, you know, the real, the real consistency is key in terms of how we talk about these things, understanding they're probably not going to change. But I, I do, I would really like it if more people, you know, started talking about Cuban, how he, he is, he he's just like Jerry Jones. So. Oh, 100%. And the, the mark on KP, it, that honestly did not bother me, Kirk, because if you remember, this is also the same man that would call in on a radio station, defend Lamar Odom. Like, he mm. will defend somebody. While he, was so kicking, while he was apparently kicking the shit out of Odom and being yes. horrible to him as a human being. Like, yes. really weird stuff. It just that that's his that's his mantra. I mean, you you you've been a fan of this team long enough where he there's quotes for him defending Sean Bradley, Ray for friends. I mean, you name it. So that that's a, a Cuban trope. That that's not surprising, right? He's always done that. So that didn't bother me. I did want one last thing for you. I I wanted to get clarification. So on the Mavericks code of conduct uh, conduct that Tim Cato asked about. So does that honestly just apply for just like Matt, Dallas Maverick? employees or does that also account as like towards a team member as well so let's say if jason kidd violates one of those zero tolerance like code of conduct policy is he fired tomorrow yeah it's a good question um 
I would say the answer is no, because, you know, a lot of like code of conduct for companies exist to protect companies, not employees. So they can do that sort of stuff exactly how often they want to enforce it. I mean, Sent Marshall talked mm. about a zero tolerance policy two years ago. And really, and now I have that the meme of uh, Octavia Cortez, uh, the where she's making the little like, you know, little bit like the the it's it, there's a little bit of tolerance in the maps now uh, uh, with domestic violence is, is what we can say. So <laughs> that's well. And then I just, it's really odd that the, the Mavericks had to have Cynthia Marshall up there. I, I, I kind of get She's a shield. She was, yeah. And I just, that rubbed me the wrong way. And I, I don't know about you when they kept on using uh, words like past and journey, that just made me cringe. Like, don't, ugh, don't no. say, I understand. I understand you want to like be at tap around that subject matter, but like, let's not say his journey because I don't want to go on a journey to cause domestic violence. Like who wants to go on that journey? No, absolutely not. Just awful, awful stuff. And uh, are you going to summer league? Yes. I, okay. Credentials are not a thing right now. Like the league hasn't sent anything out about them, but I don't care. Like I, I just keep telling people this, like, Game tickets for an entire day. You could watch like 12 basketball games if you wanted to are in the range of like 50 bucks. And so if you can find a cheap flight, be willing to wear a mask because they're apparently having all sorts of coronavirus Delta uh, variant outbreaks where just lots of people are getting the virus because not a lot of people are vaccinated out there. But if you want to make it happen, you should go. It's an outstandingly weird time. It is it is just the strangest experience. And I go back every year despite leaving and being like, I don't, I'm never going to do this again. And then I go again. So, yeah. Well, I ask because I will be there day one, day two, and day three. I think I'm only going second half of the week. The fact that it's starting on a Sunday really throws stuff off. I love that the NBA does do – all the games should be on TV. Like they'll be on uh, either ESPN3, I bet, or NBA TV. Or There's ways for you guys to watch them. And so so it'll – We'll have a great time over analyzing, um, um, you know, the, the back Tyler end Bay. of the bench. Yeah, Ty- Tyler yeah. Bay and Nate Hitton, because you're not getting Josh Green because he's in the Olympics. Yes. All right. Well, thank you for joining. I gotta bring some more. Thanks, fun. buddy. Mm-hmm. All right. Coming up next is Mavs Moneyball contributor Clint. How are you, Clint? Pretty good. How are you? I'm good. What you got for me today? Okay, uh, this was one of the biggest impressions that I got from the press conference, and I'm kind of surprised no one else has mentioned it. Okay, let's uh, hear it. Something happened that really made me kind of like sympathize with Jason Kidd. And interestingly, as a Cowboys fan, the same thing happened uh, with Mike McCarthy when he was introduced. Uh, it's something I have in common with both of those guys. We all look drastically better with facial hair than when we're clean shaven. Okay. Do you think that, so kid has been with the Lakers rocking this like salt and pepper beard Mm -hmm. and he's looked kind of like a stylish guy. And Mm -hmm. I think being clean shaven aged him like 20 years. His head looks so much bigger too. Like, like I was trying, like, are there any, like, and and this is, I'm not the person to know this, but I'm wondering if there are like any superhero, like super villains, because this dome is just so enormous where it's like, he, he, he kind of, like he, was, he looked like a mix of Pitbull, and it was just there was a lot going on with he, that. He's like yes. Pitbull. It's like Pitbull and the aliens from Mars Attacks. Oh gosh, the Slack is saying Lex Luthor, uh, and then Katie with says Helmet Head. Oh my God, it's incredible. Um, well, that, that, that really made an impression on me. Uh, I don't know. I just felt kind of bad for him. I mean, dude, get the beard back. Mm-hmm, you look so mm-hmm. much better. Um, on a more serious note, I did want to ask this. So, Kirk, you know, I don't know anything. I'm a Mavs fan. I've written some stuff for the side, but I don't have any inside information. You, however, are known for many reasons as the deep throat of the Mavs community. Wow. You're, meet- you're meeting with people in dark parking garages for all kinds of reasons. You're learning information. So maybe you True. can tell me this. You were talking about, uh, you know, the difference in, like, Cuban as an owner and the Blazers owner and how technically – the Blazers owner also has final say. It's just more of a rubber stamp. Is there a possibility that Cuban is just such a blowhard that he's, he has to put his face out there. He wants to be seen that way. That's how his ego works, but he's going to listen to whoever he is in place to advise him. Mm-hmm. He's not, Maybe. Cuban's not is Cuban. Do, do we think that Cuban is actually like trying to watch film and claiming he knows more about oh, the yeah. players? Oh okay. yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, he's this kind of guy. He thinks he knows everything all the time. Um, okay. 
I do think that they are able to hold sway on him, but you know, I'm not sure if you've ever worked with a boss like this, but the best way, like, like I, I currently work for a person who the best way to get things done that I want to do is make it seem like something is his idea. Sure. <laughs> and that's kind of what you got to, I bet that's what they have to do with Cuban though. I'm purely speculating. I do need to address the chat because you and I are old and the chat doesn't understand your deep throat reference because that they, none of them understand what happened with Nixon uh, ah. and water and Watergate in 1972. And you and I really shouldn't either. Cause we're not that old, but it was at least, you know, something we knew. Uh, and, and deep throat was the name of, of the two reporters uh, contact within, I think it was the FBI um, who, who was basically feeding information to the Washington post. Anyway, yeah, go, go, go watch all the president's men, youngins. <sighs> Um, damn, damn youths. But OK, so my question was this. We're talking about this, but mm-hmm. about the Cuban situation. Obviously, yes, he's going to assert himself. He's going to be Jerry Jones. It sucks. Uh, but when we talk about getting a structure in place, is mm-hmm. there a possibility that with Johnny Nelson having been there for 25 years or whatever, Donnie got very complacent? I think we feel like that's that's true. Is there a chance that he sort of stopped giving his opinion to Cuban, stopped trying to push Cuban in what he thought was the right direction. And that when they talk about having a new structure in place, cleaning house a little bit and bringing in a new GM and maybe resetting that flow chart a little bit could actually have an impact. Is that, is that a possible thing? Yeah. I mean, I think there's something to that. Like new voices matter. I mean, it's why Haral Bob was brought in to begin with. So I think that that's probably the best hope for everyone. Um, I think that Nico, you know, Mark Stein reported that Nico and Kid were basically a a package deal. Um, and and what I'm what I'm most curious about curious about is who wanted whom. And it's and and just judging by what happened, it seems that Nico Harrison wanted Jason Kidd as opposed to Jason Kidd wanting Nico Harrison. Though I could just be wrong about that. If if my supposition is correct, then that's pretty interesting because I think that that you know again, just to use workplace analogies, when you have two people on the same kind of general level pushing up to a manager above them saying, this is something we need to do, that, you know, combined force can have an influence. And I think that's what the hope has to be, that the new voices around Cuban listen. It's that, you know, Donnie was around for too long. Like whether he was good or bad is not the point. It's that his voice kind of became stale to Cuban. And if Cuban's going to be a decision maker, then they, they need to kind of keep those voices somewhat fresh. Okay. Um, no, that makes sense. And I have a related point to that. I do want to address in the chat. A couple of people are saying that I, I chose words poorly and that uh, there are two meanings to that phrase. That was the joke. So I'm, I'm aware of that. that, that the reason I said it was as a joke. Uh, anyway, moving on one final thing, I just wanted to say this. Um, we've talked about the whole relationships angle and how, and the importance of that, whatever I've always gotten the impression. And maybe, maybe this is true. Maybe it's not that over the past few years, see, I don't think anyone, I don't really have a problem with the Mavs wanting to pursue stars to play Yeah, the problem to, to join the team. I mean, the problem I have is that they seem to push all their chips into that basket. And then mm-hmm. I don't think that's the, the phrase I put all their sure. eggs in that basket. Sorry, it's lunchtime. Uh, the thing is though, they don't seem to have a backup plan. So they, they are willing to wait until a guy who's very unlikely to come to them, takes a week to decide, tells them no, then they miss out on being able to pivot to more middle of the line players. Is there a chance that some of that was due to Donnie? I've heard that he was one of the only GMs in the league who, like took the tampering deadline seriously. Is there a chance that Nico still tries to, you know, recruit Kawhi and then gets told, yeah, it's not happening. And then knows that ahead of time and is able to put another plan into place, which is really what the problem is. It's not pursuing the stars. It's not having a backup plan. Well, 2013 is a good example of this where they, you know, we just, we, we covered a story. Uh, Andre Godala talked about how he'd all but signed with the Mavericks in 2013. And then yeah. Cuban, Cuban wanted to wait to suck because Dwight Howard made his interest known. Like this is, um, this is just, just a fact. Uh, and, and oh, no, that, I, I got you. Yeah. And, and, and so with, when they decided to wait, even, even Iguodala was like, I understand why they had to do this. And so, then they, they fell back behind, and that was how they actually ended up with Monte Ellis. And so they, they've actually been okay about backup plans. It's just their primary plans haven't worked a long time. Um, 
individually, I understand why they did each one of these things over the last 10 years. Collectively, it's like, guys, what's happening? Like, what is happening? I, I don't, I don't, I can't make any guesses as opposed to what they do now. Um, I, their margin for error is narrow. And I think if they fuck this up, it's going to be, uh, and I, and I, there's no reason to think that they will right now. There's just that, you know, the, they'll do something. Uh, I, I just don't know what that thing is. And, and this is where it's like, I kind of struggle talking about off season stuff because I, I don't like making, you know, doing the Dalton trig thing of like, this is absolutely happening because it's just, it's bad for my health. So, <laughs> but, but like you're talking about the Dwight Howard thing, that's what I was wondering. Like, I've always heard these deals are done in advance. They don't actually happen after the deadline. After I'm sorry, after mm-hmm. getting a free agency to some extent. I mean, aren't most teams in the league aware of if they have a legit shot to get a player or not before that player actually goes away to meditate and make his decision or whatever? Or is or am yes, I wrong yes, no, but it's so, it's so, it's information leveraging. Yeah, it, okay. the Mavericks are often are often the the team that gets used as leverage, and the hope now is Luca's good enough, and the team could be good enough to where they're no longer that that role. So, okay, all right. Well, uh, well, thanks for having me, guys. Yep, go forth. Have a good day, buddy. You too. Thanks. All right, I got to bring up a few more people. We got a long list. I apologize. I'm not probably not going to be able to get to everybody just because of uh, I got to get back to work. But uh, Christian, what's happening? Hey, can you hear me? Oh, Chris, sorry. Like, uh, no, it is Christian. I, there are three C names in a row. How are you doing? Doing good. How are you, Kirk? Oh, it's been a good day. It's been a good, good day for uh, for a Friday where it's 1,000 degrees. <laughs> um, so everyone's kind of talked about the press conference already, but there's just a couple things that stood out to me that I would say were a little bit surprising. Um, first was after the – like. Besides the opening statements, Jason Kidd was about the only one that answered any questions. Um, felt like everyone else was dodging, and then Nico's quest, like his answers, were extremely short, um, mm-hmm. which I which I thought was surprising. Um, but I felt like Jason Kidd was the only one actually answering any questions or giving sure. some insight on anything. He added context. He added something about. You know, we're going to play some defense, whatever that is. I feel like there was very little content that came out of that, like very little actual information. Um, but Nico's answer, I think I tweeted this. I talked to, I tweeted Josh about this yesterday. Um, but he, uh, they had asked him a question of something along the lines of what do you see as like the next step to like improve this roster to like elevate to contend or something like along those lines. And, his answer had to do with he's just he thinks Jason Kidd being in the locker room is like the answer or it was like that was where he went with it and I was like I kind of laughed out loud honestly um, and I know it's not a time where you're gonna get you know the plan or anything like that but the fact that that was like what was said I just thought was really really funny um, so that, that well, was well okay I I think we at least have to acknowledge that. You know, we at me would get very mad at Kendrick Perkins talking about how players didn't like Rick. And I think, you know, as we move away from the situation, I think there's a lot to that. There just yeah. is. And so I think that the answer being that kind of short and, and indirect, because it didn't answer the question, but talking about how they have a coach who is favorably viewed by better players in the league, lesser players. I, I, I he was pretty rough on, on guys in both Milwaukee and, and, and uh, Brooklyn. He, he does not deal with stupid and or bad players very well, but you know, or less talented. Bad, I mean, they're NBA players. So they're all good at some, at something, but it, it's the, the top or top end of talent. Like Jason Kidd is a name and it, it matters. It, it, I, I don't know if it'll be like a signing matter, you know, but I mean, you know, Chris Haynes took down his his tweet about Dame Lillard preferring Jason Kidd over Chauncey Billis, but like the story is still up on Yahoo. Like they're just the players. You know, you know whether or not it, it, it for the right reasons. You know, it, maybe it's a little overblown, but you know, Jason Kidd's a future Hall of Fame player. Um, and so it it maybe you know maybe who knows how much it matters, but a lot like perception is way more is is as important as reality in a lot of circumstances. Yeah, for sure. Um, one other thing. They only mentioned Luca, KP, and Josh Green in the whole mm. press conference, which I thought Ooh. was interesting. Those were the only three players that were mentioned, and they were mentioned like organically. It wasn't like targeted mm-hmm. questions. So I thought that was interesting. Um, 
And then the only other thing I have to say is I uh, cannot – I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that we get to see JaVale McGee try and guard Luka in a pick and roll in the Olympics. That's mm. like – uh, that's immediately where mine went when that news came. So I'm really hoping we get a chance to see that. Yeah, I was I was really glad people didn't get mad at me for because uh, I retweeted Sean Shrania with the news and it, and I just retweeted with Joe Biden's America. I was really glad people didn't get really angry with me about that. <laughs> I was just kidding, but it, it's so wild that like if Javale McGee is the is the answer to questions, terrifying. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, thanks for coming up, Christian. Yeah, I appreciate it. All right, have a good day. Uh, coming up next, we get a couple more folks. Uh, another Christian. How are you, Christian? <laughs> yeah, I was preparing to speak when you called the last Christian. I was like, "Damn, who's this <laughs> imposter?" <laughs> hey, he used to write for me. So, uh, but every, every, everyone in this in this this group will write for me at some point, whether you realize it or not. Um, yeah, go, go ahead. Um, you know, uh, thanks as always for bringing me up, but uh, I. You know, after listening to uh, Iguodala on the uh, JJ Reddick podcast, like I know that we've, you know, felt because a lot of the Dwight Howard's uh, stuff hasn't come. And this ties into the press conference of Cuban's arrogance of, you know, I still run this team, yada, yada. But I don't think it's even as much as, we weren't like, you know, we're not a free agent destination at this point, because mm-hmm. realistically speaking, if Mark Cuban attends a meeting with Darren Williams, who at the time, you know, was compared to Chris Paul and kind of who's better, we would have had Darren Williams. And mm-hmm. then if we would have, you know, been realistic, like Andre Guadal even said, he was like, you know, everyone knew he was going to Houston, but Mark's like, you know, he put us on his list, so we got to, you know, give him the meeting. We could have walked out with Darren Williams and Andre Iguodala and look at that team, you know, in that 2012-2013-ish uh, range that we could have had to where we could have competed for a championship with the squad with Darren Williams, Andre Iguodala, and Dirk. And I think this just goes back around to show it's not as much as Dallas not being a free agent destination as much as it is Mark Cuban is, you know, too full on himself. It doesn't, you know, understand how important certain things are uh, for players like his stupid, you know, comments that you documented uh, in great detail. But also, you know, you don't think it's important to show up to the star free agent that you just sacrificed this title winning team for like that doesn't cross your mind. Um, So, I mean, that's all I I wanted to point out because as really, it's been like six, the last six months, this has come to light. Um, Or like really being dredged back up because it's like, you think about these incidents as one off things and then you realize it's like a pattern. (laughs) Exactly. And you know, it's, it, it kind of, hurts a little bit because like man what could have been kind of with those those years immediately thereafter the title like could we have competed um i i don't really have a doubt when you consider we push that spurs team uh to seven games and done things like that uh with rick at the helm and i think you know now the question of especially darren williams at that time getting along with rick you know that could have been a question um but I, well, I mean, I, but he played. He played for the Mavs. Like he eventually played for the Mavs. I mean, the running joke is like, this is the year we're going to get Danny Green because we keep getting everyone that we want two years later. <laughs> yeah, but but <laughs> I, I think at that point, with the you know Darren Williams, kind of you know he was bought out at that point. Yes, twenty twelve, he was still you know yeah. the guy and kind of felt that way. But you know, the press conference was what I expected. I mean, you know, it it was super scripted but a lot are um it kind of surprised me that they just didn't get out in front of some of these things um but you know it is what it is i'm gonna give uh this front office a chance and to your point you were making earlier i just hope uh it's something new and we get creative with you know cap flexibility and you know just kind of having a nuanced understanding and hopefully this you know, relationships are everything isn't just rhetoric and it comes to fruition. So 
uh, I'm going to give them a chance. I'm somewhat hopeful, I guess, but, uh, you know, appreciate you having me up as always. And, you know, going to be looking to these uh, Olympics games, hoping Josh Green shows out since he's not going to be at some. Sure. Well, thanks a lot, Christian. We'll talk soon. Uh, okay. Let's go ahead and bring on John. Hi, John. How are you? Thanks for waiting. Is the audio going to work for you here? There hey, Kurt. go. How are you? Pretty good. You? Not bad. What do you got for me today? I only got one question. I'm at work right now. But uh, who came first, Nico or Kid? See, and I, I, I briefly touched on that earlier. It seemed like Mark Stein basically reported they were a package deal, and I don't know the answer. Um, I, I want to believe that Nico wanted Kid uh, because Nico had apparently been teams have been trying to lure him away just for his kind of for his you know his Rolodex um, or for you kids out there for his uh, contact list within his phone. Um, if that's the case, I feel pretty, I've, I've kind of settled and I'll be okay with the signing. If, if kid wanted Nico, then that's a little bit alarming to me because Jason kid attempted multiple coups uh, uh, during his time at Cal. He got the coach fired uh, for, uh, for, for something uh, got the players, you know, all, all I, it was, you know, 25 years ago. So I don't remember the details, but it's, it's out there. If you want to go look it up. Uh, within the, the, uh, Brooklyn Nets, he tried to garner more power. Uh, he basically like ejected Lawrence Frank, uh, into the sun. And that was, was, uh, you know, not great. And, and Frank, I think now works with the Clippers. He's a well-respected guy. Uh, within the Bucks, he also tried to kind of garner more power within the front office. And I don't know. Uh, I don't see a, a thing where, where those two, you know, uh, if, if that's sort of the situation, I, I find myself a little alarmed. But in the moment, I don't have anything to be uh, – uh, that's me, you know, projecting into the future. And for now, I think it's probably best that I, that I try to give the, the whole thing the benefit of the doubt. Well, no, that's that was it. I appreciate you. All right. Well, yeah, thanks, John. Have a good day. Oh, all right, guys. I got to get out of Dodge. It's been a little over an hour. Um, thank you very much for hanging out. We will, uh, I'll be coming back at least next Friday. Um, I'll try to do one during the week, but it's just, it's been kind of a bear getting, you know, finding the time for this sort of thing. Um, really at the expense of sleep and it's not the season. So, but you know, rumor season's heating up. We got a couple of weeks still basketball, a couple of weeks still free agency, three weeks still summer league. It's going to be a good time. Uh, we will talk soon. Uh, everyone have, uh, have a good weekend and thanks for hanging out.